Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Absalom had a lot of hair. And and why do we need to know this? Why is this important? It's a major detail. We need to know about how much hair he had because it's going to be part of his demise. But you did notice he had a daughter named Tamar named after his sister who was violated back in chapter 13. 2 Samuel 14, 28. And Absalom dwelt two full years, two years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore, Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley. There, go set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look. I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face, but if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. Oh, man, he's he's ticked. (laughs) And why wouldn't he be? David put Absalom off, ignored him for two full years. There's something I got to say about David here. If you remember, few chapters back, it said he was having children all over the land with women, multiple wives all over the place. He's got a lot of children that he's neglected. He hasn't been the closest of dads, okay? How can you keep up with this many kids? But obviously, Joab wanted to stay out of this, okay? He tried to get Joab into it, get me to the king, and Joab wouldn't answer him. He probably didn't want to be any more involved with this mess than what he'd already stuck himself into. But after being ignored twice, Absalom, he felt disrespected. I mean, who wouldn't, right? But the problem is he took matters into his own hands with extreme measures to get people's attention. But you can tell that Absalom had become bitter. He had started the deep, deep anger, and you can now see this anger now playing out in what he did, burning the fields. 2 Samuel 14, 33. So Joab went to the king and told him, And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. But even though they were somewhat okay with each other, and they met, they did, and it happened, their encounter, I think, was kind of superficial. It was kind of, you know, we there, we did it, we checked the box off, but it didn't have any depth to it. Where was the deepness of the love, love from the core? Oh, my son, you're here. And, you know, David... I don't think he was really quite ready to do this yet. It's kind of half-hearted. He wasn't all into it. And I think Absalom probably sensed it. I think he sensed it. It's like, you don't really want me here. I mean, 
did you just bring me back to for the people to see you do this or did you want me? I mean, I, am I being played here? Am I being used? I, I'm trying to think from David's perspective and Absalom. David's not in it. Absalom, what is this all about? Okay. We're going to see that I I think Absalom really picked up on this, that this wasn't real, because in the next chapter, Absalom is going to try to take the throne away from David. So one thing leads to another, guys. And here's a moment right here that's going to bring something later. But let's start recapping all this this chapter for ourselves here. We had seen in a couple of previous chapters before how blind David had gotten from his sin. And guys, sin will do that to you. And I say that every time. Sin will make you blind as, as a bat. It'll, it'll blind you. You won't be able to see yourself or who you've really become. David had lost his identity. He had lost his sense of godly duty. Remember, it said that kings went out to war at this time of the year, but it says David stayed in Jerusalem. He's taking it easy. Yeah, y'all go fight it. I'll, I'll hang here. He's not doing his job. People had to come spell it out for him using parables to get David to see the trouble he was in. He didn't realize how far off he'd gotten. Now, friends, I want to use this story to ask a question, but what if we got low before the Lord and just said, sorry, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. Please show me. I'm not aware of what I'm doing wrong, but if there is any way, would you show me, Lord God, please show me. What if we could do that, learn to do that before people had to come tell us? Wouldn't that be better? Is it awkward? It is awkward when somebody has to come say, look, brother, man, I don't want to be the one to have to tell you this, but I've got to share this with you because I think you need to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that. What if we could just get before, before the Lord and get low and say, Lord, would you show me before it gets that bad? How can we do that, though? You may be asking, okay, great, I, but how can I do it? Well, I've got somebody that wrote some good words. He has a lot of experience in this matter. As a matter of fact, it was David himself. He learned from all this mess. I mean, he's a mess right now. And you're thinking, what happened to David? Isn't this the guy that killed Goliath? It is. But he learned and he wrote in Psalm 139 and 23, he wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What David was saying here is, God, if I'm doing something wrong, search me and show me what it is. See where he said, try me. Do you know what a trial is? A trial is something that tries you. (laughs) You ever have something try your patience? You're just trying my patience or tries your endurance. He said, try me. He's saying, Lord, I'm asking for trial. That doesn't sound normal, does it? But that's what he's saying. Give me trial for the purpose of showing me if I'm doing something wrong. It'll purge that out. I know we go through a lot of trials, but a trial was designed to get people to see themselves. God had to do that to Israel after they left Egypt because they got off into sin. So he put them through trial, 40 years of it. He says, you need to see what you're doing here. There's some things that's wrong. You need to wake up to what's going on before I take you to the promised land. Guys, we go through trial. And it's not for us to shake our fist at God and say, how dare you put me through this trial? God, why don't you just take me out of this trial? David says, try me. Come on, try me. I would rather be obedient to you, God. I would rather go through trial and let it turn me out, ring me out to where there's nothing but good, pure obedience left than have everything I want be comfortable. Friends, we need to understand what trial is and what it does. A trial was to help them get them see themselves. 
let me explain to you uh, a modern day version of that that I've been through. I had this irritating coworker. Oh my gosh, he drove me up the wall. And all he could think about was money and everything was about himself. And I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, I don't know how much longer I can stay at this job. This guy's just killing me. And the Lord said, Ray, that was you five to 10 years ago. And I had to, I got put into a trial to help me see something about myself, to see where I had come from where I once was to where I am. Thankfully, it was a trial to help me see how I had improved, but sometimes trials to help you see how you have not improved, how you've gone worse. So I was thankful that the Lord put me through that trial. And I'm telling you, when Facebook came out, I started finding all the people I used to work with, and I realized, man, I was a jerk to them. And I started writing all these people. Once I had that new perspective, the before and after snapshot, I wrote them. And I laid it all out on the table. I said, hey, I remember being like this, and I'm sorry that I pressured you. And I'm, I imagine I was probably tough to be around. I'm sorry for my rudeness. I'm sorry for my selfishness. I just laid it all out. I said, would you please forgive me? And man, I got about a 10% return. 90% wouldn't say anything. Maybe I was that bad of a guy. I don't know. Uh, but I did get 10% back. I did get some turn back on that. So I'm glad I did it. But you can see how trial works. It's for our benefit. And David said, try me. Please, Lord, do it. Show me what's wrong with me. I don't want to be going through these consequences again. I don't want to damage people. I don't want to hurt people's lives. I don't want to start a fire and burn the whole house down that takes every loved ones out with it. Try me, Lord. Try me and show me if there's anything wrong in me so that you can lead me in ways that are everlasting. Guys, those are good words. God had put David into two different circumstances. One was with Nathan telling him about a man that stole and he kidnapped and killed. And the other one now is here with Joab about this killer that needed to be forgiven and brought back. Oh, that's so good. Because that's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel of Jesus. But the problem was, though, when David first heard these stories, these parables, he was so focused on the details of the story. He was so focused on the trial. The problem, I got this guy over here he killed. Can you help me? Okay, I'll deal with that. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. He said it several times and he made a solemn vow. He was so focused on the details of the circumstances rather than what the stories were trying to tell him about himself. He was so hung up on the details of what was the circumstance of this and that going on that he missed the bigger picture of what the trial was trying to say to him. Remember, David said, try me, Lord, find out if there's anything wrong with me. And if there is, then I can see it and we, I can repent of it and we, you can lead me in the way everlasting. Well, right here in, the, in chapter 14, David is not seeing all that yet. He, all he's seeing is the elements of what he has been presented with rather than, Lord, what have you got for me in this? Lord, is there anything for me to learn from in this? Friend, we should always be looking for what the Lord's trying to show us in the trial. He was looking for the details rather than what was trying to be spelled out to him. They're trying to say, look, you need to bring Absalom back. That's what you need to do. And he's, okay, I'll deal with this guy. Wait a minute. What about you, David? What about you? Don't get so fixated on the details of your trial that you miss what God is trying to show you about you or your circumstance that you're in, things that you need to do that's on a bigger, more heavenly kingdom scale. Don't miss that picture or you're missing the very point of why you're in the trial. But what are your trials right now? Try to picture your trials. Think about your trials. What's going on? Are you trying to play and maneuver 
and fix yourself against the trial? Or have you taken a step back yet outside of the box to see what God is trying to tell you in the trial? You see, the Lord can eliminate your trial at any time. And you're going to, Lord, take the trial away. Take the trial away. Paul asked the Lord, take the thorn out of my side. And he wouldn't do it. Okay, the Lord can eliminate it. But since he hasn't, then why? Why are you still stuck in this thing? You're praying, oh, Lord, take it away, take it away. Maybe you shouldn't be saying, Lord, take it away. Maybe you should be saying, Lord, what am I missing here about me? Maybe that's the right tr- way to handle a trial. Lord, what have you got to show me in this? Search me, try me. You know my heart. W- what do I need to fix, Lord, so that I can follow you, so that you can guide me again? Apparently, something's off. You're not being guided in some area of your life, and the Lord's trying to get you back so that he can guide you again. Maybe that's the best way. I'll tell you that is the best way to go up against these trials. Lord, what am I doing wrong? We always need to repent constantly. Oh, I'm saved by Jesus. I'm fine now. No, produce fruit by keeping with repentance. Yeah, you may be under covenant, but consequences still happen when you do sin. So why has God not done away with your trial yet? You know, maybe he's waiting on you to let go of it. Maybe you still think you're better than God. Set set this one out, God. I can figure it out. I know what I'm doing. But you hadn't fixed it yet. That trouble's still there. Why? Because you need to learn to trust the Lord with it. That's what you need to do is let it go. And then the Lord can show you something about yourself, how far off you've gotten. And now you'll be walking with the Lord and he can guide you better, right? Trust the Lord instead of thinking you can fix it yourself. Don't get so hung up on the details of the trial. Remember Peter? He's walking on the water and the waves were rough and he got scared and he looked at the waves. It says he concentrated on the waves. His focal point left Jesus, who was out there walking. He got fixated on the waves and, oh, these waves are going to get me. Oh, these waves, these waves. And that's when Peter sank into the waves. And the Lord Jesus says, hey, you have little faith. Hey, reach out your hand, grab me. And it's all okay. I got you. He was trying to show Peter, you look at me, focus on me, not the trial. Yes, the trial's there, but the trial is there to get you to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your answer. You don't have the answer, okay? <laughs> yeah, the world tells you you're good enough to conquer anything. You're not. I'm going to just be blunt, honest. You're not. That's why you need a savior. Let Jesus deal with it, okay? But God had put away David's sin and he pardoned David for murdering of Uriah and for all the sin that he'd done. And so David's under covenant. But David should have known that because his sin was put put away and pardoned, he should have known he needs to do the same thing for his son Absalom. But David just was not getting it. Take your trials, whatever they are. And I want you to take whatever your burdens are, whatever your problems are, whatever your struggles are, that you have yet to resolve, and I want you to release them to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Do it. And say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with it. Now, please, Lord, show me where I got off track, and forgive me, Lord God, and let him deal with it. David said, I'll deal with it. You remember, he told the woman, okay, I'll take care of it. And she goes, oh, oh yeah, but, oh, yeah, but. And he goes, oh, okay, I give you my solemn vow. Not, nothing's going to happen. You have any problems, you bring them to me. Okay, friend, if you got any problems, you send them to the Lord. You don't go to war with them yourself. You don't try to take care of it. You're not a king. You can't deal with it. Okay, Jesus is. Let him deal with it. Now, remember what the woman of Tekoa said. She said, the Lord devises a means 
so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Friends, this means that God has given you a way to return to him. And that way is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So many people walk around in defeat. This is what I want to address. So many Christians, they call themselves one anyway. They're walking around in defeat all day in and day out. Their heads are all hung down. They're so sad. I mean, come on, guys. How many people are going to look at you and say, oh, yeah, I want your God when you look like you're messed up all the time? And the reason that people are defeated like this is because they are more focused on the details of their trial. They are more focused on trying to fix their trial themselves than what God is trying to say to them in the trial. They're more fixated on getting rid of the trial. So I can go back to being lazy and comfy and doing anything I want again, rather than realizing I better turn my life and get right back with you, Lord God. And since David knew that his sin had been pardoned, he should have recognized his responsibility to reconcile with Absalom. Those of us in Messiah Jesus, we know that our sins have been pardoned through forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. Then we should recognize our own responsibility to do the same for other people. Matthew 6 and 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Friend, the trial that you're in right now, the difficulty you're going through, I want you to step back a minute. Stop looking at the waves. That's not the issue. The trial problems is not the issue. You need to look back at Jesus. That's the problem. And let him deal with it. But what are you, you're supposed to learn out of it that you are looking at the wrong thing. You need to look at the Lord. I want you to remember, though, that being a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for the Lord is going to hurt. It's going to have people hate you. They're going to they're going to call you the hater when they're the one doing it. We're the bad guy nowadays. You know, the Christians are the bad guys. I know it. It hurts. But I want you to consider the other people that are involved in your trial that are suffering because of you or with you or you're suffering because of them. Think about these other people. Think about that irritating person that drives you up the wall that is so awkward to you that just like David, you're hesitant to get close to them anymore. You don't want to restore a relationship. You'd like to have it, but you don't want to do it. And you're supposed to restore relationship in the way that God did for you. Let me tell you how to deal with that. You forgive them. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Okay, I understand that. They're saying the same thing about you. Let it go. Be done with it and reconcile with them. Why? Because the Lord God did that for you. If you want to be like Jesus, if you're truly saved in Jesus, you'll do as he did and reconcile with these people. David was so apprehensive about seeing Absalom because of the guilt over what he'd done. He was concerned about everybody else was going to react to it. What's everybody going to think? Am I going to make everybody happy or not? Maybe I'm not ready. So he played it cautious. I think he played it overcautious. And he stayed at such a distance that it wasn't real anymore. It wasn't godly. His heart wasn't in it. I know you've been hurt in the past. I know you've got your reasons why you don't want to get close to people anymore. But you know what? That is no reason for you to not do your job as a believer who is supposed to reflect the love and forgiveness of Messiah Jesus. You're supposed to put forth the same mercy and grace that Jesus gave you. Jesus, our king, he has no sins of his own that would cause him to play it careful with you. 
Jesus didn't like, you know, I forgave you, but just stay, stay away from me. Stay back. I'm I'm thinking about it. Maybe later, maybe in another few hundred years, I'll be dead by then. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. You can't see my face. What if Jesus said that to you? David told Absalom to come back, but David refused to let him see his face. Well, wait a minute. That's not really coming back. Imagine if the Lord God said, yeah, you can come on home to heaven, but you can't see my face. Well, then what's the point? Why am I here? What are you doing with me, God? I thought I was here so I could be with you. I want to show you a Bible verse that talks about what it's going to be like in heaven. Revelation 22 and 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. The servants of the Lord shall see his face. He's not going to say, yeah, come on, but, but no, you can't see my face. I want you to understand what the Lord's trying to say. You're going to come here, and you're going to get to see me too. It's not this awkwardness that he's going to be so standoffish. It's not going to be a superficial, fake, half-hearted, forced, awkward, surface love. It's going to be the real deal. His love for us is very deep. And like the woman said, like water spilled on the ground, it can't be recovered. And so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he has devised a way so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And friends, that way back to the Lord God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. He made the effort, even though it was awkward, he made the effort to come and die on the cross. He came himself. He didn't put it off on anybody else. He did his job as a king. We should do our job if we're in the kingdom as servants. But he came to spell it out for us. That by through Jesus Christ dying in our place, that we could never have to be hidden away from his face. Ezekiel thirty nine twenty nine, and I will not hide my face from them any more, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. You're not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Get on your knees. And say, Lord, forgive me. Show me what I'm doing wrong so I can follow you rightly. If you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, here's how you do it. Pray with me. Father, I have sinned. I, I'm sorry. I messed up. I just, I, I did. I blew it. But I turn it over to you. Thank you for the trial. Keep bringing all the trial that is necessary to make me see you and walk in your ways in everlasting ways. I want it, Lord God. I just want to be with you. I can't wait to see your face. Thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit that you give me upon my belief. I accept you now. Come into my life, Lord God, as I jump into yours. (laughs) I'm tired of my life. Give me a new one. Thank you for paying my death penalty for me on the cross. Thank you for taking care of it and cleaning it up, paying it. I could have never paid it myself. Thank you. You're my Lord. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And also, Lord, teach me how to trust you with my trials. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for being here. Go forth. You are set for life if you're Messiah Jesus. Be blessed.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.